ACAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, I'm going to get super soppy. Okay. Yeah. I, I just confessed. Go ahead. Community, the musical community here. Um, I can't imagine finding anywhere else and which does not mean that it doesn't exist anywhere else. But for me, the, the music, the people that I have met here through musical community and the continuum of Boston musical community have become more than just collaborators and people that you call up to play or blah, blah. They, they are my people. 50 years of music with 50 year old white guys. It's June, and I am still wearing my boots. That line kills me. Kills me. Uh, Tanya Donnelly, welcome to 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. <laughs> it's, it's a good... Did you know that was the title of the podcast? Maybe I should have prepped you. I did not. <laughs> it's what we call the on-the-nose podcast description. Because <laughs> yeah. this is what you do at 50. You start a podcast. We're going the um, other way. I like to think of it as like the organic food movement. Like we just tell you everything that's in the box right exactly. on the cover. Right. You know? Yes. Yeah. Here, here are your allergies laid out for you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, welcome, uh, Tanya Donnelly. Um, your your career spans, I mean, back in yeah. the 80s, throwing muses and then the pixies and then belly ever since, right? The breeders, I believe. Not the, the breeders. breeders. You're absolutely right. Belly and that's then why solo, I'm here. Belly solo, belly again, and then yeah, and um, Loyal Seas is the new band that I've been. Oh, working. nice! I love it. I love it. We could play collaborating like six six degrees of separation. Yeah. With your career, um, right. well, welcome you. I don't know if you know this that you are our Boston expert. Mm -hmm. Um. We're taking a musical road trip and Boston is our next stop. And okay. so you are our, our artist in residence for the city of Boston. There are so many other people <laughs> nope. that nope. would have more information. Their files would be much more easily accessible than mine, but let's well, see how. 
<laughs> it's going to go great. Yeah. I mean, we did do New England, excluding Boston. And you would have fit in that category as because you're originally from Rhode Island? Rhode Island originally, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. no, we got you for Boston. All right. I'm fine. I'm sorry. All right. No, All I've right. been 30 years, so I, 35 years, I think, so I can do this. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, here, uh, here's the first question off the bat. What are some of your favorite venues in Boston, either as a fan or a musician? You can talk about current days or go back. Um, I mean, when, when, when Throwing Muses first moved here, when we first landed here, I would say TT the Bears, um, the Rat, obviously. Um, uh, Jonathan Swift, when I was first here, Jax, when I was first here, both of those sort of disappeared soon after we got here. Um, Johnny D's in Alston. Um, oh my gosh, so many good. The Paradise. Um, okay. Which is now, um, right now at the moment, um, the Burren in in Davis. Yeah, sure. Love playing there. Probably that's my favorite. To be honest. Oh, nice. Um, it's just got such a. It's a great size. It's got such a good vibe. It, I like. In, you know, in my dotage, <laughs> <laughs> I prefer to play in a smaller room with people whose eyes I can see and they're just more comfortable for me. Right. Uh, you know, it's just such a, yeah, I mean, I feel like the older I get, the more I, it's odd to like be in a room with people having conversations and really connecting. And then all of a sudden you're seven feet taller than them and your lights in your eyes and you can't see them. <laughs> that feels weird to me now where, you know, whereas that sort of was a kind of like a, you know, more something more comforting to me at one point, if I couldn't connect, right, right. like I want to be standing on the floor and have it feel more conversational is not the word, but you know, just connected. I actually feel like that's a that's a theme we're hearing from artists is, you know, when you first start out, those first few gigs, you're so thrilled that people came to see you and there's yeah. this deep connection. And then you reach this level of popularity where you, the room gets bigger and the show is more exciting, but it also becomes a little more anonymous. And then if you stay in it long enough, you you get back to this place where you're looking for that audience connection again. That's but that's an interesting that career arc seems to a lot of our artists have, have talked about that. Yeah. In just terms of what they're looking for in a live performance. So, yeah, it, it actually fits with our podcast career yes, as well. Indeed. Yeah. Because it was just getting too big. So we tried to <laughs> make it more personal. So grateful to have it back to where you can really. We can wrap your arms around it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, have you been to all those places, Tim? Gosh, I've been to, um, you know, for some reason, I never went to the rat. Um, no way i know and and it's the one that that kind of had a legendary status even even when i was in college but i'd go to bill's oh uh, yeah there's, there's a place called the linwood grill uh where, where oh, danny right. my yep. buddy danny was a bartender so um yeah i went to a lot of those places yep gotcha i went to the rat a couple of times visiting friends because that was just I was all I really did in college was go out and see bands. So I visit my friend Red, and we would go to the go to the Rat. So 
Love that place. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, what about some favorite acts from that you either shared bills with or that you went to see as a fan? Or like when you think of the Boston music scene and you think of the the bands or the artists that you that you loved seeing or playing with, um, what comes to mind? Oh my God. I mean, at when, the point that we moved here, it was just a, a the mo I mean, it was so fertile <laughs> with great artists and great bands. It was, um, I mean, I was out every night pretty much yeah. when I got here. Um, and, and it was also, and just such a, you know, a, a really porous scene at the time too. Like people were really supporting each other across genres in a way. Um, which was really nice. Um, who did I, who did I love the most? I mean, back then, oh my, it's just Salem '66, mm. Mission of Burma, right? Big Dipper, Morphine. Well, Treat It Right, and then Morphine. Um, the five, there's a band called The Five that I loved. Um, oh, there was just so much going on at the time. Obviously, Hatfield and the Lemonheads and uh, the Volcano Suns. Oh. Were, Volcano Suns, one of my favorite Boston bands of all time. Oh, my gosh. All right. I got to check them out. I'm not familiar oh. with them. I've actually seen all those bands except the five. That's a great list. Wow. Yeah. That's great. I picked, um, we had to, we each pick a band for the for the show. I picked Moving Targets. Did you ever uh, oh, cross yeah. paths with them? Great. I yeah. love that burning and water record was like finding like Amazing. I was like the great lost who's for due record, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and the flies, the needs, there was just so black cat bone. There was so much good <laughs> music and, and it's just, it was exciting. Like, oh my God. Okay. Uzi. Can we talk about Talia ZX bands? Okay. Uh, just Wait, what kind of band was Uzi? Uzi was so Talia Zedek is probably one of my favorite songwriters and guitar players and singers, and she um, led this band. Uzi, the first, I mean, my first exposure to her was Uzi, and and then she was Come. She went on to do Come, um, which is also incredible, amazing band. She's a real. She's just the shit. <laughs> the shit. <laughs> All right, so I got to check out Uzi. See, this is the shit. The uh, the shtick of this show uh, is the fact that I don't know music very well, uh, and Jeff Jeff will bail me out and point me in new directions, as will Ben. Um, unfortunately, a lot of this time I was seeing bands, but I was also listening to a lot of top forty uh, back in the day. And maybe, you know, wearing Bugle Boy jeans. But we're not going to talk about that. Boy, I can't believe you. Yeah, this just became a confessional really quickly. So, <laughs> so can we, I'm going to, can I play a clip from uh, from Throwing Muses before we go to the next uh, next question? Yeah, hit it. So um, this is, uh, I'm, I want to make sure I'm right. You you wrote Not Too Soon, is that correct? That's I, wrote not too, I wrote Not Too Soon with Kristen's father. Okay. Oh, is that oh, right? fun. Awesome. Well, it's my favorite song off the real Ramona, yeah. which is so the Throwing her, Muses record. Yeah. Her From, dad, my stepsister's dad, um, who is not he really, you know, on the other side of 
the marriage that connected us. Yeah. He had the, he wrote, it's a chorus that we used to like play together, Kristen and myself and her dad. Uh And that was one of the songs that he would play for us, not the whole song, but the chorus, the beginning of the chorus. Um, So the chorus is his, you know, well, it was more folky. He's kind of, you know, Neil Young. um, Oh, okay school of music you know and then i you know i turned it into whatever yeah we, it. yeah and added everything around it but cool yeah. Yeah. all right so we're gonna play a little bit of that and then um tim will uh start grilling you again but this is not too <laughs> soon from throwing muses is the real ramona record she That's that's the fun part. Wow. Well, I, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so that was a record. Um, I remember this. I, I'll, I'll let you know. I did go out and buy the CD, but that was one of those records where um, your friends are sending tapes back and forth in the mail of all the cool music they're discovering. And uh, I first heard that on a uh, the real Ramona was on one side, and Richard Thompson's Rumor and Sigh was on the other. And I just left that in the in the tape deck of my car for like six months. <laughs> I just remember like, those two records are just indelibly linked for me. And they would just like oh, roll that. one like, into the yeah. other. So <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. Um, all right. Well, I said 10 to 15 minutes. I'm already stretching it. So let's get to the hard, hard question. Um, I grew up in situate Massachusetts and I, I think Situate will always be with me. Um, and I'm wondering about how how Boston has affected you and how it sticks with you. Um, you know, how, how has it shaped your artistic career in a sense? Um, I'm going to get super soppy. Okay. <laughs> I, I just the confessed. Go ahead. <laughs> the musical community here. Um, I can't imagine finding anywhere else and which does not mean that it doesn't exist anywhere else but for me the the music the people that I have met here through musical community and the continuum of Boston musical community <laughs> have become more than just collaborators and people that you call up to play or blah blah they they are my people you know they're the people that my children know and have grown up with they're the people that I they're my friends they're you know it's become like it's just there's true family here yeah and that um that is that's a gift and that I mean I feel like just the main thing that Boston moving here and thank god I did at the age of 18 (laughs) um it just 
from day one, it was just the most welcoming. Not always, you know, it's tricky. Sure. I mean, like anything, you know, there's, there are trials and tribulations, but I just, this place has been just, you know, everything to me. Mm. It's been musical family, actual family, right. you know, my husband and had our children, you know, um, and, and chosen family. Yeah. It's so funny. I wonder if like the 20 year old or 18 year old who moves to Boston and what her, her conception of artistic success might be at that age um, yeah. would probably be so different than, than what you've dis- what, what you've discovered. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I know. Go Boston. <laughs> Tim's been waiting for this one for, hey, that's right. Since that's we right. started the travelogue. It's like, <laughs> Go Boston. Um, all right. Now I got to put you on the spot. Whether whether we're talking about you're a little kid and you, your dad gives you a guitar or whether you're talking about being a, a teenager, going to shows, or as a performer at any stage of your career, what's a, what's a favorite musical memory you have that you associate with Boston, like a specific memory? Um, it would, I have. I okay, have you two. can have two. Okay. The first one was our Gary Smith, who was in Lifeboat and 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 ended up running Ford Apache, okay, and managing me for years and producing me and producing the Pixies and Natalie Merchant. Man, I mean, he he a huge, huge, huge part of Boston musical history. He we opened for his band when we were in high school. We opened for his band at um in Newport. Okay. They, he basically came backstage and was like, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to collapse time to make it a simple story. But it was like, (laughs) come to Boston. I will produce you. I will mentor you. I will get you jobs. And, and he, you know, basically we came here with a net provided by Mm. Gary Smith. Wow. From that point on, you know, he just, he, was such a huge part in everything that I did and is still to this day, you know, in, in terms of like who I go to for support um, and advice. So that's one. Okay. Um, two, I would say would be um, watching the Pixies for the first time when they opened for us at the Rat. Um, for the first uh, first time, we, actually, that would be the second time. The first time was at um, Amherst. Okay. Oh, no, UMass. 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 Was that was UMass was the first time, and we were like, "What is happening?" At that, you know, that was exciting. But at the Rat, when they opened for us at the Rat, I, that was Kim had just. <laughs> I mean, we already knew the music and were blown away, but Kim had come from her day job as a receptionist and I'm, okay i i, I want to say it was a a doctor's office or some medical you know um place and she came in in like her just her skirt suit and her hair blown high <laughs> <laughs> on stage with her face with a cigarette hanging out of her mouth 
and just, you know, I, I fell in love with her first of oh, all, yeah. <laughs> but also just the, 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 the excitement of them mm. in that moment, just hearing those songs for the first time. It was, I mean, it was. That's a, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. That's, that's a heck of a double bill. That was at the rat. Yeah. That's amazing too. That that's Frank's first band too. I remember hearing an interview with him, and they were talking about the Pixies, and like, well, how many bands were you in before you had to, you hit gold? And he's like, that's my first band. I just can you imagine, you're you know that playing your like your second or third gig and, and realizing just, you put that together and <laughs> you know the first time you go you go out for it. And what one thing that I loved about the Pixies when they were started is that they were just so crazy about each other, and you can mm. see. You know, that's a really ex- wonderful thing to see in a band. Yeah. They're just so into their thing. They're so psyched to be there with each other doing this thing. And they're just such a shining example of that that early band excitement. Such a good. Well, if any listeners were at that show, I want to talk to you. That's going to be our next. I want to have, I want to know what the vibe was like in the room and whether or not people realized what a great night that was in there in the moment. Cause that's a, that's a heck of a double bill. I I, I don't know how many (laughs) listeners from, we have a lot of listeners from India. I don't know if they would have been there. Oh, they would, they, they wished that they were, (laughs) there's no question about it. I know. Yeah. Nothing was documented back in those days. Right. No. Oh, well, you are just so awesome to to spend part of your Tuesday evening with us. Um, thank you, thank you for being here, and and we wanted to um, to end it with with one of your personal favorites of of your own creation. So, what well, song? Um, this is a very Boston. This is as Boston as it gets. So, okay, here we go. This is Mass Ave from Swan Song series from 2016. Peter. 
We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric acid. Electric acid.